0: Welcome to this episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping project managers sharpen their PM skills. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, I'll be talking with Mark Skalanka. Mark is in charge of project management for Collier's Project Leaders Division. And Mark's going to talk about a lot of interesting topics related to project management, but one of them that we haven't yet covered on this podcast, which is serving as an owner's rep. On an AEC project. So representing the owner and interacting with the designer, interacting with the contractor, and making sure the project gets done on time and on budget from the owner's perspective. It's a really interesting take on it, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Before we go on, here's a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Collier's Engineering and Design. Thank you to EMI's sponsor, Collier's Engineering and Design a full-service AE firm with more than 2200 employees in over 60 offices nationwide. As an industry leader, Collier's Engineering and Design has a responsibility to ensure the built environment is constructed with a commitment to the inclusivity, health, and welfare of our people, clients, and communities. Their expansion has fostered an enterprising culture that provides continued opportunities for employees to grow their careers while accelerating their personal and professional development within the company. For more information about how you can join their team, find them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or visit colliersengineering.com. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest on to the show for today. Mark Skalenka is the discipline leader of project management within Colliers Project Leaders. Mark, welcome to the Engineering Project Management Podcast. All right, Anthony, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for doing this, Mark. We appreciate your time. And let's kick us off by maybe you can tell us what does the Colliers Project Leaders division do? Good question.
1: It's a relatively new niche in the construction industry. When I say new, within the last 25, 30 years. Previously, you had an architect, you had a builder, you had an owner. What project leaders is, or project management within project leaders is owners' representatives, owners' project management, clerk of the works, what it was referred to probably 25, 30 years ago. A party that's engaged by the owner to represent the owner. We don't have a bias towards design, nor the contractor. Common way that I like to think about it is uh, we are not the builder. We are not the designer. We are also not responsible for the build or the design, but we're responsible for all of it as the owner's agent or owner's advocate, which is another way to look at what our role is. We are really advocating for our clients, like clients that are less sophisticated in the construction industry, who need somebody that has the technical ability to sit in a room with architects and engineers, and contractors, and talk the talk that would be necessary to see a project executed on their behalf.
0: The reason I asked Mark to explain that is because it is a little bit different. I mean, A lot of times on the show, we'll have a project manager who is part of the engineering design firm that maybe manages the project from the design standpoint. Now, Mark and his team might interact with that person on behalf of the owner, but they are not on the engineering design team or they're not on the contractor's team. Like he said, they're representing the owner and they may communicate with those other parties to help. In essence, Mark, you're helping your client to get the job done on time, on schedule, on budget.
1: We are. We all come from backgrounds in architecture or engineering or construction management or facilities management. So we we all understand various parts of the process. They come to work for us as the college project leaders they are now acting as the owner's advocate, not as the designer or the contractor. The only thing I'll also add to this, Anthony, is that within college project leaders, you have a project management division, which is what I am the head of. We also have what's called the commissioning and energy discipline that my colleague, Evan Weiner, is responsible of. And commissioning and energy is essentially the verification of the mechanical electrical plumbing system, the envelope systems for the It's a very technical role, less managerial, more technical, but also is a third party from the designers and the contractors providing that level of oversight to the clients.
0: You're around project management on a daily basis, Mark. In your experience, what are some of the key qualities or characteristics that you believe make for an effective project manager? Communication,
1: the number one Aspect or quality of any effective project manager is the ability to communicate. When you're not responsible for the design of the build, right? And you're not responsible for really delivering anything technical, our primary responsibility is getting people to do their jobs. Get the architect to design the project or building to the budget and what's on the schedule and for the contractor to build the building within the plans and specs within the time frame that's required. So 95% of our job is just in communication, me getting the architect to do their job, me getting the contractor to do their job, and all of the other consultants that are around. There are lots of processes, and templates, protocols, tools that we use to help along the way that are more the technical aspects of it. But if you are an effective communicator and recognize that everybody's different, right? Everybody wants to be communicated with differently. You'll be an extraordinarily exceptional project manager.
0: The key there is as a project manager, regardless of where you're at, your job is to oversee the execution of the project and making sure that it's getting done. And in order to do that, you're invariably going to be discussing things and communicating with different people, Right. And so that really means that you do need to be a great communicator on many levels because, you know, different people communicate differently, right? Contractors might communicate differently than designers. The owner might communicate differently than a contractor. So really becoming kind of an expert in communication will only help you in terms of project management. I guess the one thing I'd ask you as a follow-up to that, Mark, if you have any advice on it is how can a project manager improve those skill sets from your experience?
1: Well, you have to first understand that you are not above anybody. Oftentimes, Anthony, people will come into our company and think, okay, I'm not the contractor, I'm not the architect, I'm not the owner's rep, so they are above me or I'm above them, right? You have the owner, you have the owner's rep, and then you have the contractors and the designers. And that's not how we think about it. We're all at the same level reporting to the owner. So an effective project manager doesn't put themselves above the designer or above the contractor, A line that a colleague of mine used several years ago, and it stuck with me and I use it every now and again. We operate from the boiler room to the boardroom, right? And if you think about what happens in the boiler room, you have contractors that are working, that are putting a boiler together to the boardroom where you have the CEO or the chairman or the board of trustees or the the executives. And we have to be able to effectively communicate the both and all parts in between. So anytime somebody feels like they are above anybody, that's where they get themselves in trouble. So respectful. There isn't a job site that I don't walk around that I try and engage the subcontractors, the workers. The people are actually doing the work. I mean, I could sit and look at a building and say, I had something to do with that building. But the mason who looked at that building said, I put the brick on that building. I can't say I put the brick on the building. I can say I managed the process to getting the brick on the building. If I see a contractor is doing a good job, I tell them they're doing a good job. I mean, who doesn't like to be told they're doing a good job, especially by somebody walking around in a suit, you know, who looks like they might be important. We respect people. We are responsive to people. We're empathetic to people. We have to be top. It's not a job where you know you can get rolled over fairly quickly in this industry if you have you know the old school contractors or designer types that feel like the owner's rep doesn't need to be there. But if we're doing our job effectively, we're respectful. We're responsive. We're professional were well regarded by the various other consultants within the um, the industry.
0: So, really, you're looking for chances to communicate and practice your communication skills everywhere, basically every day with everyone on the job. You're going to have those opportunities, and you need to kind of take advantage of those so you can get better at communication.
1: In today's digital arena, it's very easy to fall prey to the email or the text or the written and. So much is lost in heard.' so much is lost in translation between email or text, where it could have been far easier to communicate something by just picking up the phone and making a phone call, or having a, a team's call kind of like what we're going to hear. It's really important to try and stay connected to people, right? COVID brought a lot of crappy things to a lot of people, and from a work perspective, it really started to isolate us even more. Than in the past. So now we're trying to encourage people to get up to the job sites, to get to the meetings in person and start to have those effective communication discussions in person
0: versus a email or a text or some other medium. Communication means a lot of things these days, especially since the last couple of years, remote, in person, there's lots of different forms of communication as well. And part of being a good project manager, I think, is knowing which form of communication is best for different scenarios or different situations, right? That's definitely a big part of it. So talk a little bit about the role of a project manager in the architecture, engineering, and construction industry and, you know, some of the primary responsibilities and really what makes it different from other industries, because it is different.
1: I don't want to minimize the role of the contractors or the designers, consultants, because I just said they're all at the same level. A way that I like to look at it is, you know, we're the quarterback, right? We're kind of like the conductor of of the orchestra, right? So we know the budget, know the schedule, and we're we're trying to create a process and a framework so that everybody can do their job minimizing hiccups, minimizing stubbing of the toe. What we don't do is, again, when I say we don't design or we don't build, we don't do their job, right? Oftentimes we're asked, are you the builder? Like, are you you the construction manager? No, we're not the contractor. We're not gonna hire the subcontractors. I'm not gonna pick the phone and call the subcontractors, call the mason, to get more guys on site or to get something. That's not what we're doing. I'm not going to dictate the look of the building. My background's in architecture. I may have an opinion of what I think the building would look like or should look like. It's not my job to say, hey, change the fenestration of that facade because that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't matter what I think. What's most important is what the owner thinks. If the owner likes it, then that's all I I care about. So it's really important for us in the AEC industry to not do the job of the architect, to not be the contractor, to let them do their jobs. We get into trouble, Anthony, if we start to cross that line. It happens every now and again, where we'll have a rambunctious staff member who was a former architect or a former contractor. They try to just kind of go beyond. And all that does is infuriate the architect or the builder, because it looks like we're doing their job. So what we have to do very consciously is make sure that we step back and we ensure that the owner wants three things. They want the building on time within their budget and of the quality level they're expecting. That's it. It doesn't matter if it's a red building or blue building. It doesn't matter if it's one year or five years, but all they simply want. So we have to do effectively in working with the designers, working with the contractors, is ensure on time, under budget, Not the quality that they're expecting.
0: It's that simple. What you do at Collier's project leaders, of course, is in the project management division is project management. And that's what you focus on all day, every day. So from your perspective, when would you say is the optimal time to engage a project manager in a project? Are there certain project characteristics or complexities that might signal the need for a PM early on? Or sometimes maybe it's better to bring them later in the process. What can you tell us about? From in what you do from an owner's rep perspective, when's the best time to introduce the PM?
1: The best time to introduce a PM is when you don't have a PM. And what I mean by that, Anthony, is some of our clients have internal project management staff, or right? they have project managers, but they may not have uh, the time or the capacity for the project general construction. Okay. Well, then that's a good time to bring us in because you may have 10 other projects that you're working on and you don't have the bandwidth to cover that project general construction. If you don't have a project manager on staff, i.e., you know, you work for a higher education client, you know, Yale or Harvard or, you know, another big institute, Rutgers, if you don't have project management, you want to bring a project manager on board sooner than later. We can do a lot of things. I can create a structure and a framework and a process that allows for the project to succeed. What I cannot do, and this sometimes happens, is I can't unravel a mess I remember, Anthony, several years ago, I was hired by a client, and this was a project that was already halfway through construction, and they had missed all sorts of dates, and there was no defined completion date. I couldn't fix the problems of the past that couldn't make the issues that were embedded in the project go away because they were there. I was able to create a work and a process moving forward that allowed for it to be more seamless and aimless for the client, but... If the project is over budget or trending over budget, before we get involved, I can't make that problem go away without saying, by the way, you need more money. We give our clients the good news and the bad news. When you have to share bad news, you have to share bad news, but we don't bury it under a rock. The best time to bring us on board is very early on, when we can at least create the parameters, right? Create the the end zone. I'm a sports guy, so I like to use sports analogies, right? Create the fields for play. So you know left field is 350, you know center field is 400, you know right field is 375. Create that and then work the project within that perimeter. If we're creating the budget in the schedule and we're helping you hire the qualified designers and the qualified builders, I don't want to say it's easy, but it makes it a lot less complicated to achieve your goals of on time, under budget and of good quality when you've got the right structure in place. So the short answer is as early as possible, I would recommend.
0: If someone's working for a design engineering firm, let's say as a project manager on a project, and let's say you're representing the owner on that project, it probably makes the design engineers or the project manager for the design team, their life a little bit easier if they have someone like you that they can talk to on behalf of the owner, as opposed to just talking with the owner. I mean, probably not all the time, but would you say that that's accurate? I would say that that's accurate 95% of the time,
1: yet because a lot of our clients aren't engineers, aren't designers, and don't understand a lot of the information that the designers are trying to uh, convey. So we'll have a dialogue like you and I are talking right now to talk about a situation, and then I'll be able to go back to the client and say, here's why we've got to take this approach, and here's why your approach wouldn't work. They understand that there isn't a bias with us. Uh, We're there to represent the owner. Some owners feel, you know, designers or contractors are biased towards their industries or their perspectives. We have conversations all the time with the project managers of the designers that we work with or the project managers of the contractors to just talk about issues, right? And I could push back because I know the industry and say, hey, yeah, but you're really not thinking about this or about that. Because when I go to the client to say, okay, you need to approve this change order, they're going to ask me all the questions that, well, is this legit? Are there any other options? I can go down yes here's why it's legit i talked to anthony the project manager for ced this is the best approach there are no other approach and it comes with a level of comfort that this is a decision that's not being slanted one way or the other and a lot of that comes to the vetting discussion with the specific designer project manager so we talk often to architects and and engineers the project manager and uh, staff to just resolve issues mark
0: projects are inherently dynamic and they're subject to change and are constantly changing, how do you kind of adapt and navigate through unexpected challenges or changes during the project life cycle and what you do?
1: It starts by uh, staying on top of the process and the project. It also starts with not burying the information. COVID hit three years ago and nobody knew what that was going to mean for the construction industry. And we were staying on top of what was happening in the industry relative to workplace strategies to stay in place with masking and social distancing and sanitizing, all that stuff, supply chain issues that we were dealing with, worker uh, issues. You know, There was a lot of things that were happening that we had to stay on top of in the industry and then share that with our projects and our clients as to here's what we see happening. I talked about this earlier. If something comes up, you know, supply chain issues, you hear that all the time. We need to communicate with our clients immediately if we hear something going on that could alter or change the schedule. So if a mechanical unit is not scheduled to be shipped now for another six months for things outside of our control, we need to be able to communicate that to our client and come up with a, a strategy to work around that. Maybe it's a temporary solution, we can't just come to our clients with the problems. We have to come to them with solutions to those problems as well. Again, it's not just ourselves. It's working with the designers, the engineers, the architects, the builders to come at the solution with a team approach. So yeah, we just have to stay on top of what's happening in the market, what's happening in terms of the trends, and then communicate you know, what we're seeing to our clients as swiftly and quickly as possible.
0: Kind of going back to what you said in the beginning in terms of communication being so important. It also sounds like just having the right channels in place to be able to communicate to the right people relatively quickly on your project when something like that comes up is really important. And just to dive a little bit deeper into what you mentioned there about trends, how do you stay kind of updated with industry trends or best practices or emerging project management methodologies? Are there any resources or strategies that you utilize to do that?
1: Comes from a lot of different sources, Anthony. It comes from consultants that we work with. So, you know, back to the trends, you know, we're seeing things in the construction industry that are becoming a problem. So, if, if one of the big contractors that we're working with, uh, Gildane or Turner, is seeing something, we're probably working with them. A team member will issue a, a company wide email say, hey, by the way, you know, I'm hearing this about roofing. I'm hearing this about steel. I'm hearing this about whatever the trend is, switch gear. So we're all made aware of what's potentially happening. It comes from designers. we'll work with designers who are in close contact with manufacturers in terms of what's happening. And again, we'll share that with each other. You know, in terms of like trends and best practices, project management, it comes from lots of sources. We have our way of managing projects and we've been doing it successfully for almost 30 years, but that doesn't mean that we can't get better or more efficient at what we do. And sometimes it comes from a new staff member who's hired who came from another firm and said, you know, here's what I used to do at the other firm and it seemed to work well for us. And it may be a more efficient way of developing a schedule or a budget or tracking a budget or a schedule. Or maybe it's just having a conversation with a, a designer or project manager who's got five or six projects. And, you know, here's what I do. We have reviews every year and I have about an hour, 15 minutes to meet every day to the office when I go to the office, right? And I have a little notepad that sits next to my seat in my car, a pencil or a pen. And if I'm driving I'm for the hour, I'm thinking of all the things I've got to do for that day or for the week, and I jot it down. And then I've got that piece of paper with me and it stays on my desk until everything is crossed off. If I think of something else, I add it to that as well. And I share that with a lot of people who are sometimes get overwhelmed with the three or four projects that they're meeting. I've got so much, I don't know how to keep track of everything. And people have actually utilized that. Now I'm the same way. I'm always looking for tips. So if I'm talking to somebody and I hear uh, of a technique that could make my life a little more efficient or effective or how we manage a project, I make note of it, I utilize it, and if it works, I then share it with however many people I can to let them know that, hey, here's a nice way of tracking all your tasks for the week or for the month of a project. Again, I, I go back to communication. It's communicating with each other what we're seeing and hearing, what we're witnessing, and what makes the most sense. You try it
0: and see if it works for you. A huge fail in our industry is that there's not a lot of knowledge sharing between PMs and their colleagues. You know, one project manager in an organization, whether it's project management organization, design organization, one PM might do something really well, and, and or have a tool that helps them do something really well, and they haven't yet shared it with the other PMs or their colleagues. And I think that there's a, a huge area there. I know when we get into a firm and we build some of our custom PM programs, we try to put avenues in place for that collaboration where the other PMs can learn from others and vice versa and they can share. Otherwise, you're just, it's just like you're doing extra steps that someone else has already solved that problem in your organization. And you can remove that and that can make you much more productive, much more streamlined. And that's, I think, really a big thing that we're going for. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Then we are going to come back with Mark and we're going to ask him about one of the bigger PM pitfalls that he's seen in the industry and how we can attack it. We'll be right back. Before we go on here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. All right, we're back with Mark Skalenka. Mark is the Discipline Leader of Project Management at Collier's Project Leaders. And we've talked a lot about project management, the importance of communication in project management. So Mark, at the end of our episodes, I'd like to ask our guests... What's maybe one of the bigger PM pitfalls that you've identified, and how would you recommend that a PM either avoid it or overcome it in their career?
1: I can rattle off several technical pitfalls, like not being responsive or being a poor communicator. But I think that the biggest pitfall that I've seen is, again, doing somebody else's job. It touched upon this earlier in the sense that for a while we were hiring personnel, had long, illustrious careers in construction management as the contractor. And they would come work for us. Inevitably, they would fall right back, in, back into being the contractor. And I needed to come in and unravel far too many messes because I had somebody doing somebody else's job. It would be like somebody coming in and saying, "You know, Anthony, I'm going to run this podcast for you." Uh, even though they were hired to just be the audio guy or the sound guy, you know, or found out that he was talking to me and, and doing this on the side. You'd be like, "Hey, that's my job. What are you doing? I, I hired you to be the audio guy, not to do you know the interviewing." For far too long, we fell into a trap of hiring attractive resumes, attractive portfolios, and for the adage that you can't restripe a zebra. Well, in some cases, you really can't. And you could try and train them to be a tiger, but they're just going to fall back to being a zebra. So one of the things that we pay close attention to early, early on with somebody, especially if they're a seasoned professional and they've come from a role where they were managing consultants and sub and people, is to make sure that they're not overstepping that line where they are now doing the job of somebody else. Because if they start to act in a role that they're not hired for. It irritates the individual that they're replicating. The client starts to ask, well, I already have a contractor. I don't need another contractor. And it starts to damage our reputation, our credibility you know, in the role. Our voice becomes silence, right? So what happens is, I talked about the, how important it's to communicate. If our voice becomes white noise because people just don't wanna listen to us anymore because we're doing things we shouldn't be doing, that's the depth of a project manager. I mean, my, my single most important job is to communicate somebody to do their job. You know, it's, it's lost because I'm overstepping that boundary. I am not an effective product manager. I'm a note taker. I'm doing things other than managing leading projects. And that's not what we're about. So the single biggest pitfall that I've seen from individuals in this role is trying to do somebody else's job. Whether it's the owner's job, the contractor, the engineer, the architect, no, we don't need you to do their job. We need you to do your job.
0: That just speaks to the importance of, as a project manager, you need to understand what your role is on that project and stay within your lane, if you will, and execute on it and know when you need to get other people involved for the different aspects of it.
1: Like I like to ask questions versus tell somebody to do something. A good example is if I'm walking the job site and I see something that that doesn't look right. you know I'll say, Hey, I wonder if that would make sense. What do you think about that moving over there? Would it be more effective? You know, and I'll talk to the same walk with the architect and I'll say, you know, you know, that's really cool. But instead of saying, I think move it, I would ask in a questioning kind of way and kind of lead them to solution that probably made the most sense. I guess there's effective ways of communicating. Don't to really just say communicate, but there's an effective way of communicating without coming across as being a dictator. And even if I know the answer. To a situation, I'll still probe and question, like I don't know the answer, and kind of lead the horse to water, if you will, lead the designer, lead the contractor, lead the owner to the point I'm trying to make. And then if they say, "Yeah, that makes sense," okay, good, that I've been effective.
0: Just speaks to understanding, like what you need to do to get that project done, and trying to do it in the best way possible. Because if you don't communicate it the right way, if you will. Then that person might become offended or they might not do what you're asking them to do and then that just creates another problem so you really have to understand like what you're trying to accomplish and what are the best steps you could take to do that as a project manager
1: it's important for us to have a technical background it is 90 percent more effective and important for us to have an english background to be able to write and speak intelligently we work for a lot of institutions that are are educators and if we're representing them, we have to come across as educated. So we can't write letters or emails that are run on sentences or that you get a solid C- from an English you know, uh, professor. We're out there, if you think about our role, right? we're advocating for the owner. We're speaking on behalf of the owner. So if I'm sitting in front of 200 parents, I'm the advocate for the school committee for a school project. I've got to come across as intelligent or they're going to have little credibility in the Managing a $200 million school project. So oftentimes we'll say that's communication. If you're writing something, please have it reviewed by somebody that you can write. And it, it could be a, a secretary or somebody on an admin team who can understand how to form a
0: paragraph
1: or a memo. So that's also equally important for us.
0: I appreciate all the time you gave us today. It's obvious that communication is critical in project management, but not just saying communication, but the way you communicate, who you communicate with, the written form of communication, right? Like you just talked about in terms of writing emails. So if you're out there and you're listening and you want to become a better PM, you have to understand your role and you have to get really good at communication in all different formats with all different people in different professions. Mark, thanks so much for joining us on the Engineering Project Management Podcast.
1: Thanks, Anthony. It was great to uh, meet you and be a part of this.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mark. It is an interesting angle to think about it from representing an owner. A lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are working for a design firm, right? So you have to think about that perspective as well. So please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at engineeringpmpodcast.com. That's engineeringpm for projectmanagementpodcast.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And if you're interested in project management training, or we like to say learning and development for your firm, give us a call 800-920-4007. That's 800-920-4007. Or visit our website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we can help you make your projects more profitable. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering project management endeavors.